Chapters four and five of the Mistress of Shenston by Florence Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Four, in safe hands. All through the night, Lady Ingleby lay gazing before her with bright, unseeing eyes. The quiet woman from the lodge who had been before her own marriage a devoted maid companion to Lady Ingleby arrived in speechless sorrow and helped the doctor tenderly with all there was to do but when consciousness returned and realization they were accompanied by no natural expressions of grief simply a settled stony silence the white set face the bright unseeing eyes margaret o'mara knelt and wept and prayed kissing the folded hands upon the silken quilt but lady ingleby merely smiled vaguely and once she said hush my dear maggie at last we will be adequate several times during the night the doctor came sitting silently beside the bed with watchful eyes and quiet touch myra scarcely noticed him and again he wondered how much larger the big grey eyes would grow in the pale setting of that lovely face once he signed to the other watcher to follow him into the corridor closing the door he turned and faced her he liked this quiet woman in her simple black merino gown linen collar and cuffs and neatly braided hair there was an air of refinement and gentle self-control about her which pleased the doctor mrs o'mara he said she must weep and she must sleep she does not weep easily sir replied margaret o'mara and i have known her to lie widely awake throughout an entire night with less cause for sorrow than this ah said the doctor and he looked keenly at the woman from the lodge i wonder what else you have known he thought but he did not voice the conjecture derrick brand rarely asked questions of a third person his patients never had to find out that his knowledge of them came through the gossip or the breach of confidence of others at last he could allow that fixed unseeing gaze no longer he decided to do what was necessary with a quiet nod in response to margaret o'mara's imploring look he turned back the loose sleeve of the silk night-dress one firm hand grasped the soft arm beneath it the other passed over it for a moment with swift skilful pressure even margaret's anxious eyes saw nothing more and afterwards myra often wondered what would have caused that tiny scar upon the whiteness of her arm before long she was quietly asleep the doctor stood looking down upon her there was tragedy to him in this perfect loveliness now the clear candour of the grey eyes was veiled the childlike look was no longer there it was the face of a woman and of a woman who had lived and who had suffered watching it the doctor reviewed the history of those ten years of wedded life piecing together that which she herself had told him his own shrewd surmisings and facts which were common knowledge so much for the past the present for a few hours at least was merciful oblivion what would the future bring she had bravely and faithfully put from her all temptation to learn the glory of life and the completeness of love from any save from her own husband and he had failed to teach can the deaf teach harmony or the blind reveal the beauties of blended colour but the future held no such limitations the garden enclosed was no longer barred against all others by an owner who ignored its fragrance the gate would be on the latch though all unconscious until an eager hand pressed it that its bolts and bars were gone and it dare swing open wide ah mused the doctor will the right man pass by youth teaches youth 
but is there a man amongst us strong enough and true enough and pure enough to teach this woman nearing thirty lessons which should have been learned during the golden days of girlhood surely somewhere on this earth the one man walks and works and waits to whom she is to be the one woman god sent him her way in the fullness of time and in that very hour while at last myra slept and the doctor watched and mused and wondered in that very hour under an eastern sky a strong man sick of life worn and disillusioned fighting a deadly fever in the sultry atmosphere of a soldier's tent cried out in bitterness of soul oh god let me die then added the nevertheless which always qualifies a brave soul's prayer for immunity from pain unless unless o oh god there still be some work left on this earth which only i can do and the doctor had just said send him her way o oh god in the fullness of time the two prayers reached the throne of omniscience together derrick brand looking up saw the quiet eyes of margaret o'mara gazing gratefully at him across the bed thank you she whispered he smiled never to be done lightly mrs o'mara he said everything else should be tried first but there are exceptions to the strictest rules and it is fatal weakness to hesitate when confronted by the exception send for me when she wakes and meanwhile lie down on that couch yourself and have some sleep you are worn out the doctor turned away but not before he had caught the sudden look of dumb anguish which leaped into those quiet eyes he reached the door paused a moment then came back mrs o'mara he said with a hand upon her shoulder you have a sorrow of your own she drew away from him in terror oh hush she whispered don't ask don't unnerve me sir help me to think of her only then more calmly but of course i shall think of none but her while she needs me only only sir as you are so kind she drew from her bosom a crumpled telegram and handed it to the doctor mine came at the same time as hers she said simply the doctor unfolded the war office message regret to report sergeant o'mara killed in assault on targay yesterday he was a good husband said margaret o'mara simply and we were very happy the doctor held out his hand i am proud to have met you mrs o'mara this seems to me the bravest thing i have ever known a woman to do she smiled through her tears thank you sir she said tremulously but it is easier to bear my own sorrow when i have work to do for her god himself comfort you my friend said derrick brand and it was all he could trust his voice to say nor was he ashamed that he had to fumble blindly for the handle of the door the doctor had finished breakfast and was asking grotely for a time-table when word reached him that lady ingleby was awake he went upstairs immediately myra was sitting up in bed propped with pillows her cheeks were flushed her eyes bright and hard she held out her hand to the doctor how good you have been she said speaking very fast in a high unnatural voice i'm afraid i have given you a great deal of trouble i don't remember much about last night excepting that they said michael had been killed has michael really been killed do you think and will they give me details surely i have a right to know details nothing can alter the fact that i was michael's wife can it do go to breakfast maggie there is nothing gained by standing there smiling and saying that you do not want breakfast everybody wants breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning i should want breakfast if michael had not been killed 
tell her she ought to have breakfast sir derrick i believe she has been up all night it is such a comfort to have her she is so brave and bright and so full of sympathy she is very brave said the doctor and you are right as to her need of breakfast go downstairs for a little while mrs o'mara i will stay with lady ingleby she moved obediently to the door but sir derrick reached it before her and the famous london specialist held the door open for the sergeant's young widow with an air of deference such as he would hardly have bestowed upon a queen then he came back to lady ingleby his train left in three-quarters of an hour but his task here was not finished she had slept but before he dare leave her she must weep where is peter inquired the excited voice from the bed he always barks to be let out in the morning but i have heard nothing of him yet he was exhausted last night poor little chap said the doctor he could scarcely walk i carried him up myself and put him on the bed in the next room the coat was still there i wrapped him in it he licked my hand and lay down content i want to see him said lady ingleby michael loved him he seems all i have left of michael i will fetch him said the doctor he went into the adjoining room leaving the door ajar myra heard him reach the bed then followed a long silence what is it she called at last is he not there why are you so long then the doctor came back he carried something in his arms wrapped in the old shooting-jacket dear lady ingleby he said little peter is dead he must have died during the night in his sleep he was lying just as i left him curled up in the coat but he is quite cold and stiff faithful little heart said the doctor with emotion holding his burden tenderly what cried myra with both arms outstretched peter has died because michael is dead and i-i have not even shed a tear she fell back among the pillows in a paroxysm of weeping the doctor stood by silently uncertain what to do myra's sobs grew more violent shaking the bed with their convulsive force then she began to shriek inarticulately about michael and peter and to sob again with renewed violence at that moment the doctor heard the horn of a motor-car in the avenue then almost immediately the clang of the bell and the sounds of an arrival below a look of immense relief came into his face he went to the top of the great staircase and looked over the honourable mrs dalmain had arrived the doctor saw her tall figure in a dark green travelling coat walk rapidly across the hall jane he said jeannette ah i knew you would not fail us come straight up you have arrived at the right moment jane looked up and saw the doctor standing at the top of the stairs something wrapped in an old coat held carefully in his arms she threw him one smile of greeting and assurance then wasting no time in words rapidly pulled off her coat hat and fur gloves flinging them in quick succession to the astonished butler the doctor only waited to see her actually mounting the stairs then passing through lady ingleby's room he laid peter's little body back on his dead master's bed still wrapped in the old tweed coat as he stepped back into lady ingleby's room closing the door between he saw jane dalmain kneel down beside the bed and gather the weeping form into her arms with a gesture of immense protective tenderness oh jane 
sobbed lady ingleby as she hid her face in the sweet comfort of that generous bosom oh jane michael has been killed and little peter died because michael was dead little peter died and i had not even shed a tear the doctor passed quickly out closing the door behind him he did not wait to hear the answer he knew it would be wise and kind and right he left his patient in safe hands jane was there at last all would be well five lady ingleby's rest cure from the moment when the express for cornwall had slowly but irrevocably commenced to glide away from the paddington platform when she had looked her last upon margaret o'mara's anxious devoted face softly framed in her simple widow's bonnet when she had realized that her somewhat original rest-cure had really safely commenced and that she was leaving not only her worries but her very identity behind her lady ingleby had leaned back with closed eyes in a corner of her reserved compartment and given herself up to quiet retrospection the face in repose was sad a quiet sadness as of regret which held no bitterness the cheek upon which the dark fringe of lashes rested was white and thin having lost the tint and contour of perfect health but every now and then during those hours of retrospection the wistful droop of the sweet expressive mouth curved into a smile and a dimple peered out unexpectedly giving a look of youthfulness to the tired face when london and its suburbs were completely left behind and the summer sunshine blazed through the window from the clear blue of a radiant june sky lady ingleby leaned forward watching the rapid unfolding of country lanes and hedges wide commons golden with gorse fir-woods carpeted with bluebells mossy banks overhung with wild roses honeysuckle and traveller's joy the indescribable greenness and soft fragrance of england in early summer and as she watched a responsive light shone in her sweet grey eyes the drear sadness of autumn the deadness of winter the chill uncertainty of spring all these were over and gone flowers appear on the earth the time of the singing of birds is come murmurs the lover of canticles and in myra ingleby's sad heart there blossomed timidly flowers of hope vague promise of future joy which life might yet hold in store a blackburn in the hawthorn trilled gaily and myra softly sang to an air of garth dalmain's the blackbird song wake wake sad heart rise up and sing on god's fair earth mid blossoms blue fresh hope must ever spring there is no room for sad despair when heaven's love is everywhere then as the train sped onward through wiltshire somerset and devon lady ingleby felt the mantle of her despondence slipping from her and reviewed the past much as a prisoner might glance back into his dark narrow cell from the sunlight of the open door as he stood at last on the threshold of liberty seven months had gone by since on that chill november evening the news of lord ingleby's death had reached shenstone the happenings of the weeks which followed now seemed vague and dreamlike to myra just a few events standing out clearly from the dim blur of misery she remembered the reliable strength of the doctor the unselfish devotion of margaret o'mara the unspeakable comfort of jane's wholesome understanding tenderness then the dreaded arrival of her mother followed immediately according to promise by the protective advent of georgina duchess of meldrum after which tragedy and comedy walked hand in hand and the silence of morning was enlivened by the hoity-toity of the duchess and the indignant sniffs of mrs collar gray 
later on details of lord ingleby's death came to hand and his widow had to learn that he had fallen at the attempt upon targay it is true but the victim of an accident losing his life not at the hands of the savage enemy but through the unfortunate blunder of a comrade myra never very clearly grasped the details a wall to be undermined his own patent and fearful explosive the grim enthusiasm with which he insisted upon placing it himself arranging to have it fired by his patent electrical plan then the mistaking of a signal the fatal pressing of a button five minutes too soon an electric flash in the mine a terrific explosion and instant death to the man whose skill and courage had made the gap through which crowds of cheering british soldiers bursting from the silent darkness dashed to expectant victory when full details reached the war office a very great personage called at her house in park lane personally to explain to lady ingleby the necessity for the hushing up of some of these greatly to be deplored facts the whole unfortunate occurrence had largely partaken of the nature of an experiment the explosive the new method of signalling the portable electric plant all these were being used by lord ingleby and the young officers who assisted him more or less experimentally and unofficially the man whose unfortunate mistake caused the accident had an important career before him his name must not be allowed to transpire it would be unfair that a future of great promise should be blighted by what was an obvious accident the few to whom the name was known had been immediately pledged to secrecy of course it would be confidentially given to lady ingleby if she really desired to hear it but then myra took a very characteristic line she sat up with instant decision her pale face flushed and her large pathetic grey eyes shone with sudden brightness pardon me sir she said for interposing but i never wish to know that name my husband would have been the first to desire that it should not be told and personally i should be sorry that there should be any man on earth whose hand i could not bring myself to touch in friendship the hand that widowed me did so without intention let it remain always to me an abstract instrument of the will of providence i shall never even try to guess to which of michael's comrades that hand belonged lady ingleby was honest in making this decision and the very great personage stepped into his brougham five minutes later greatly relieved and filled with admiration for lord ingleby's beautiful and right-minded widow she had always been all that was most charming now she added sound good sense to personal charm excellent incomparable poor ingleby poor ah he must not be mentioned even in thought yes lady ingleby was absolutely honest in coming to her decision and yet from that moment two names revolved perpetually in her mind around a ceaseless question the only men mentioned constantly by michael in his letters as being always with him in his experiments sharing his interests and his dangers ronald ingram and billy cathcart dear boys both her devoted adorers almost her dearest closest friends faithful trusted tried and now the haunting question circled around all thought of them was it ronald or was it billy which billy or ronny ronny or billy myra had said i shall never even try to guess and she had said it honestly she did not try to guess she guessed in spite of trying not to do so and the certainty and yet uncertainty of her surmisings told on her nerves becoming a cause of mental torment which was with her subconsciously night and day time went on 
the frontier war was over england as ever had been bound to win in the end and england had won it had merely been a case of time of learning wisdom by a series of initial mistakes of expending a large amount of british gold and british blood england's supremacy was satisfactorily asserted and those of her brave troops who had survived the initial mistakes came home among them ronald ingram and billy cathcart the former obviously older than when he went away gaunt and worn pale beneath his bronze showing unmistakable signs of the effects of a severe wound and subsequent fever too interesting for words said the duchess of meldrum to lady ingleby recounting her first sight of him if only i were fifty years younger than i am i would marry the dear boy immediately take him down to overdean and nurse him back to health and strength oh you need not look incredulous my dear myra i always mean what i say as you very well know but lady ingleby denied all suspicion of incredulity and merely suggested languidly that bar the matrimonial suggestion the programme was an excellent one and might well be carried out young ronald being of the same opinion he was soon installed at overdean and had what he afterwards described as the time of his life being pampered spoiled and petted by the dear old duchess and never allowing her to suspect that one of the chief attractions of overdean lay in the fact that it was within easy motoring distance of shenstone park billy returned as young as inconsequent as irrepressible as ever and yet in him also myra was conscious of a subtle change for which she all too readily found a reason far removed from the real one the fact was this both young men in their romantic devotion to her had yet been true to their own manhood and loyal at heart to lord ingleby but their loyalty had always been with effort therefore when the strain relaxed they met her again they were intensely conscious of her freedom and of their own resultant liberty this produced in them when with her a restraint and shyness which myra naturally construed into a confirmation of her own suspicions she having never found it the smallest effort to remember she was michael's and to be faithful in every thought to him was quite unconscious of her liberty there having been no strain in remaining true to the instincts of her own pure honest honourable nature there was no tension to relax so it very naturally came to pass that when one day ronald ingram had sat long with her silently studying his boots his strong face tense and miserable every now and then looking furtively at her then as his eyes met the calm friendliness of hers dropping them again to the floor poor ronnie she mused with his important career before him undoubtedly it was he who did it and billy knows it see how fidgety billy is while ronnie sits with me but by and by it would be no of course it was billy dear hot-headed impulsive young billy and ronald knowing it feels guilty also poor little billy who was as a son to michael there was no mistaking the emotion on his face just now when i merely laid my hand on his oh impetuous scatter-brained boy dear heavens i wish he wouldn't hand me the bread and butter then into this atmosphere of misunderstanding and uncertainty intruded a fresh element a first cousin of lord ingleby's to whom had come the title minus the estates came to the conclusion that title and estates might as well go together to that end intruding upon her privacy on every possible occasion he proceeded to pay business-like court to lady ingleby thus rudely myra awoke to the understanding of her liberty 
at once her whole outlook on life was changed all things bore a new significance ronny and billy ceased to be comforts ronny's nervous misery assumed a new importance and coupled with her own suspicions filled her with a dismayed horror the duchess's veiled jokes took point and hurt a sense of unprotected loneliness engulfed her every man became a prospective and dreaded suitor every woman's remark seemed to hold an innuendo her name in the papers distracted her she recognized the morbidness of her condition even while she felt unable to cope with it and leaving shenstone suddenly came up to town and consulted sir derrick brand oh my friend she said help me i shall never face life again the doctor heard her patiently aiding the recital by his strong understanding silence then he said quietly dear lady the diagnosis is not difficult also there is but one possible remedy he paused lady ingleby's imploring eyes and tense expectancy besought his verdict a rest cure said the doctor with finality horrors no cried myra would you shut me up within four walls cram me with rice pudding and every form of food i most detest send a dreadful woman to pound roll and pummel me and tell me gruesome stories keep out all my friends all letters all books all news and after six weeks send me out into the world again with my figure gone and not a sane thought upon any subject under the sun dear doctor think of it stout and an idiot oh give me something in a bottle to shake and take three times a day and let me go the doctor smiled he was famed for his calm patience your somewhat highly coloured description dear lady ingleby applies to a form of rescuer such as i rarely if ever recommend in your case it would be worse than useless we should gain nothing by shutting you up with the one person who is doing you harm and from whom we must contrive your escape the one person queried myra wide-eyed a charming person smiled the doctor where the rest of mankind are concerned but very bad for you just now but whom questioned myra again whom can you mean i mean lady ingleby replied the doctor gravely when i send you away for your rest cure lady ingleby with her worries and questionings doubts and fears must be left behind i shall send you to a little out-of-the-world village on the wild sea-coast of cornwall where you know nobody and nobody knows you you must go incognito as miss or mrs anything you please your rest cure will consist primarily in being set free for a time from lady ingleby's position predicament and perplexities you must send word to all intimate friends telling them you are going into retreat and they must not write until they hear again you will have leave to write one letter a week to one person only and that person must be one of whom i can approve you must eat plenty of wholesome food roam about all day long in the open air rise early retire early live entirely in a simple beautiful wholesome present firmly avoiding all remembrance of a sad past and all anticipation of an uncertain future nobody is to know where you are excepting myself and the one friend to whom you may write but we will arrange that somebody say for instance your devoted attendant from the lodge shall hold herself free to come to you at an hour's notice should you be overwhelmed with a sudden sense of loneliness the knowledge of this will probably keep the need from arising 
you can communicate with me daily if you like by letter or by telegram but other people must not know where you are i do not wish you followed by the anxious or restless thoughts of many minds to-morrow i will give you the name of a place i recommend and of a comfortable hotel where you can order rooms it must be a place you have never seen probably one of which you have never heard we are nearing the end of may i should like you to start on the first of june if you want a house-party at shenston this summer you may invite your guests for the first of july lady ingleby will be at home again by then fully able to maintain her reputation as a hostess of unequalled charm graciousness and popularity morbid self-consciousness is a condition of mind from which you have hitherto been so completely free that this unexpected attack has altogether unnerved you and requires prompt and uncompromising measures yes jane dalmain may be your correspondent you could not have chosen better this was the doctor's verdict and prescription and as his patients never disputed the one or declined to take the other myra found herself on the glorious first of june flying south in the great western express bound for the little fishing village of tregarth where she had ordered rooms at the moorhead inn in the name of mrs o'mara chapters four and five